Azania Musaka, 702, your number one news and talk station on 92.7 and 106 FM. It's now 20 minutes to three. Later on, we will be listening in to those uh, voice notes that uh, I've asked you to record about the worst romantic date you've ever been on. And you would uh, stand a chance of winning a thousand rand courtesy of SA Express because tomorrow we'll be uh, just doing a random draw from the four names that we've gotten all week and one lucky person is going to win that fantastic weekend away so you're going to be flown by SA Express and then you're going to be staying at the Palace of the Lost City two nights accommodation there just to kind of make up for a disastrous romantic date that you've had in the past so it's 072-702-1702 uh, right now, though, we are talking health and wellness. It's a conversation that we uh, set aside that we have every Thursday. And this week, we've decided to look into matters of obstetrics uh, because Pregnancy Awareness Week is on from the 8th until the 14th of February. And Dr. Howard Manyonga joins us now on uh, in the studio. It's not on the line. He's in the studio. He's a healthcare pr- practitioner specializing as a gynecologist and obstetrician. Good afternoon, Howard. Good afternoon, Lasagna, and thank you for the invite. I used to struggle with that word, obstet- <laughs> obstetrician, obstetrics, um, and of course, this has to. The, you are. This is an important week, you know, because it's Pregnancy Awareness Week. There are a couple of things that come into play um, that uh, this week will be about. Um, uh, but let's start with. Uh, one of the big stories recently, and it has to do with cesarean sections. There was concern not too long ago um, that uh, there were being too many prescribed, that they were being prescribed in a, at an alarming rate. Does that concern still still exist? Well, uh, I would say that uh, there is definitely a, a trend towards increasing cesarean sections, mm-hmm. and it's a valid concern. Um, I think d- the debate is always going to boil down to what what are the causes or what contributing factors are there mm-hmm. that we can address um, going forward in our practice? Yes, yes, and what because uh, it seems like a lot of doctors prefer natural births or suggest that, or women, women opting yeah. for natural births. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the first thing to state is that uh, uh, getting pregnant and giving birth mm. is a natural process, and by far and large, the majority of women go through uncomplicated pregnancies. Mm-hmm. But of course, there will be a, a proportion that would need cesarean sections in order to uh, achieve outcomes that are good for the mother or the baby because sometimes it is mother reasons, mm-hmm. sometimes it is baby reasons why we do cesarean sections. Yes. And that, that need can, can never be eradicated and uh, no matter how well we are practicing. Yes. And I think the debate really is... Uh, the rates of cesarean sections that we are seeing, Mm -hmm. are they too high? And if they are too high, what could be the contributing factors that... um uh, make them that way. Make them yeah, that way, yeah. Absolutely. And there are risks. I think uh, with any operative uh, op- uh, uh, kind of operation, any type of operation, there are risks, right, that come with it. Of course. Even of though course. over the years there have been incredible advancements that have made uh, in-hospital births rather safe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the... Uh, the development in the medical sciences has been uh, quite um, astonishing, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are at a point where for planned cesarean sections, the risk is really manageable because you can anticipate what can go wrong. Yes. You can put in preventative measures and build in the appropriate team to address those situations. So mm-hmm. there is no doubt. However, you have to compare cesarean section rates with 
the natural process, the physiological process. And uh, when you do that comparison, yes. then cesarean section actually is uh, at that aggregate level mm. a, f- a more uh, risky procedure compared to natural childbirth. Yeah. So th- there's no doubt that there are benefits and there are indications for doing cesarean sections and sometimes they're unavoidable. But we do accept that uh, there will always be some risk associated mm. with carrying out operative uh, procedures. And I've always been curious about vaginal births after cesarean. So baby number two, perhaps a, a woman wants to have a natural birth, a vaginal birth uh, after a cesarean with baby number one. What are some of the concerns or things that we should be aware of? Yeah, I think I must state up front that it is an, an acceptable uh, process to go through what we call vaginal birth after a cesarean. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what, what would have to happen is that uh, the uh, caregiver, whether this be a midwife mm. or the obstetrician, has to satisfy themselves that uh, the specific woman in front of them meets the safety criteria for the trial of that birth after a cesarean. And after you're satisfied certain criteria, which we know up front, and you go in with an open mind, uh, knowing that it is always going to be a trial of labor. Sometimes it will succeed. Yeah. Sometimes Ooh. it doesn't succeed. Yeah. But by fine, the majority, uh, probably up to 75, 80%, mm. will achieve a normal birth, provided you, your selection criteria is uh, sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, uh, I would emphasize that it is a, a safe procedure under certain circumstances. Yes, because during my time, it was that once you go Caesar, all the others have to be Caesar and only up to three. And I thought that immediately puts a limit on how many children you can have. Uh, but now that you say this, uh, it's important because I was quite surprised to see this as being one of the the, the messages around this particular uh, uh, option that women have. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, recently I saw news of a five-star hospital in Cape Town, a midwifery uh, hospital. Yeah. So the role, the are we seeing a return? How important is the role of midwives in this process and the relationship with obstetricians uh, and gynecologists? Yeah, so um, uh, I'm, I'm also aware of that a hospital in the Western Cape, which is a, a midwifery uh, hospital. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, our philosophy and our approach to uh, the care of women and their babies uh, in pregnancy is that your primary caregiver for pregnancy should be the midwife. Mm -hmm. That's your backbone. Because as I said earlier on, the majority of patients have got no major issues with them. And then we would see these midwives situated in a team. Mm. And that team for us would include the GP obstetrician and then the specialist obstetrician and gynecologist, pediatrician, and uh, psychosocial workers because we're taking a holistic approach to the process of birth and putting in a team. Mm -hmm. And our belief and uh, in our practice, we see the team as the primary uh, entity that should have responsibility for the care of a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, coming back to your question, where the role of midwifery. So in that role, we, we see midwives as the primary caregiver and they can call in the different team players mm. as, and we, as and when the need arises to contribute towards the care of that woman. But they would always remain accountable for the woman. They drive the relationships, uh, the, care, the care or therapeutic relationships and anything else that's happening around the woman psychosocially 
And the midwife is best place to play that to role. To do that, right. Absolutely. Because I was wondering if that was a response to what is happening within obstetrics, that we have obstetricians leaving the practice in, in what is said to be high numbers. I wonder if that's alarmist or not. Um, and one of the contributing factors is the high indemnity insurance rates uh, and a number of other factors that there is this uh, um, uh, this focus on midwifery because mm. of what's happening in, obstetri- in, in obstetrics. So you're quite right that uh, there has been a very worrying trend mm-hmm. of uh, obstetricians and gynecologists just opting now to do only gynecology, which does not involve the care of the pregnant woman and their baby. Yes. And indeed, uh, one of the uh, immediate drivers that is uh, easy to see is the cost of indemnity. Right. But when you dig a little bit deeper to try and understand what is driving that cost of indemnity, then suddenly you come to realize that uh, the, um, it's a systemic problem and there's not just one cause. Mm. And indeed, there are issues of quality. And uh, you would expect that uh, we, in our current situation where doctors work alone or midwives work alone, mm. but we, we say that uh, midwifery or the care of a woman is team sport. It can never be played by one person. Yeah. And, and therefore, what it means when you have individuals playing the sport is that there are going to be gaps in the uh, care of the woman and indeed uh, there will be missed opportunities to detect complications as they arise and without that your outcomes are bad and bad outcomes then lead to unhappy patients and indeed unhappy patients will sue especially if the type of relationship hasn't Mm. been um, uh, driven through uh, individualizing the care because as you can imagine in a fee-for-service arrangement Mm -hmm. the pressure is uh, there for clinicians to work harder but harder by themselves and they're doing their best to get the best outcomes yes but certainly they already are at a disadvantage because they are not in a team Mm, it's quite concerning it's concerning because we 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 have to be able to afford women a, a comprehensive care yeah. Whenever, when a pregnancy comes about. So if we're seeing this decline in numbers or uh, uh, people opting, as you said, for gynecology and excluding obstetrics, it's a serious cause of concern. But I want to thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. We'll continue to highlight these issues. I think this obst- obstetrician discussion deserves uh, a closer focus. Absolutely. I think uh, they, uh, there is a, a lot of effort that we are putting through with uh, some of our partners in the private sector, mm-hmm. trying to set up uh, demonstration projects where we uh, set up midwives with the team, as I described before. And our first one, our very first one will be coming in central Johannesburg, mm. uh, what we're calling an integrated birthing unit. Because, of course, necessarily you have to have hospital facilities right. and your team is working very closely with uh, the hospital partner, in this case, uh, um, uh, NetCare, mm-hmm. and uh, your indemnity providers, because you highlighted the cost of indemnity. And one of the problems was that we found that the, the current, or many of the indemnity providers mm-hmm. are unable to ensure a team. Mm. And there is now a, a new generation type uh, indemnity provider wi- who that. will uh, ensure a team, provided you share with them certain amounts of data and we can then begin to discuss yeah. a reduction in the cost of indemnity. Changes would definitely Absolutely. have to take place. So we do look forward to that and uh, yeah. thank you for inviting me to this uh, 
Lovely. Uh, Howard, chat. thank you very, very much. Excellent. Thank you, Azania, and um, uh, goodbye to, to your listeners. That's Dr. Howard Manyonga. He is a healthcare practitioner, specializes in gynecology and obst- obstetrics, and he also heads up the maternity care product launched by PPO Serve. Um, and just uh, looking at uh, research that they had done around uh, obstetricians and what is happening within uh, this particular discipline is quite concerning, and we'll make time for a future conversation on that.